Amen. Well, it is good to be here. Good to see each one of you. I hope you've had a good day today. And I do want to give you a couple of announcements real quick. I do want to read this to you. Uh, it says, thank you all for the beautiful uh, flowers, for all the food. We especially want to thank you for praying for us during Daddy's sickness and his passing. Please continue to pray for us in the days ahead. And uh, that's from the Irvin Dodson family. We do want once again to thank each one of you uh, for all that you did through everything with Papa Irvin being sick and uh, all the food, calls, texts, visits, everything that was done. Thank you so, so much for that. And uh, then don't forget as well, got several things coming up in the next little bit. Let me say this, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's September the 13th uh, on your church calendar. We give you several months ago, I think we've got down, I think it's the 13th, uh, that we have a church picnic. Uh, we've been meaning to talk about that. Hadn't really got anything figured out yet, uh, but I know we was planning on maybe going up Stone Mountain or maybe going to Cumberland Knobs and different places, but uh, with everything going on, the way I understand it, there still is a restriction on how many you can have and what you can do and all that uh, as far as the state park. So uh, probably won't be doing the church picnic on that day, but what I would like to do, uh, I'm going to get with the deacons and try to see if we can figure out something, but we'll try to have something uh, the month of September, whether it be getting together and making ice cream or something, we'll try to do something uh, in the month of September, all right? Then you ladies, don't forget September the 26th, uh, be the ladies' conference down at Canaan Baptist Church in Salisbury. Kendra will be speaking in that. Anybody interested in going? If you'll let her know, we'll take the bus, won't cost you any gas, won't cost you any money in food, won't cost you a thing. We'll take you down there, bring you back, and uh, looking forward to a good time the Lord there. So you let her know so she can get with Miss Pam and uh, let everybody let her know how many are planning on coming so they can make arrangements with food, all right? And uh, I don't know who all will be speaking, there'll be several, there'll be several uh, but I know uh, Kyla Rowland, is that right? She'll be there, and uh, then Miss Debbie Bagwell. And uh, that'll be a blessing to you, I'm sure. Her husband, Dr. Mike Bagwell, is one of my heroes in the faith. And uh, it'll be a blessing, I'm sure. So you let Kendra know about that if you're interested in going, all right? Uh, then don't forget October the 1st or the 3rd, Lord willing, that'll be our revival of the home. That'll be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. Brother Curtis Ponder and Brother David Edwards will be with us. Uh, I've got to get in touch with everybody one more time, make sure everything's lined up, but last I heard it was uh, one night, the Graham family from down in Salisbury is going to come one night, the Sisloff family, uh, Brother Seth Sisloff, pastor of Little Elkin Baptist Church, his family will be coming to sing. You'll remember them, uh, those little youngins that does, does such a wonderful job. And uh, then one night, I think the Shores family out of Charity Hill Baptist Church is going to come sing and uh, try to make some, get some families to come in, being as this revival of the home. That'll be a blessing to you. Make sure to make plans to come be a part of that and I invite somebody to come be with you. Then October the 4th and the 5th, I'll be preaching revival up at Friendly Grove Baptist Church, Brother Brett Graham, and uh, looking forward to that. Revival will go through the night. Uh, that'll be that Friday, and on that Friday, uh, as of right now, the choir will still be going up, doing a combined choir up at Friendly Grove, all right? Uh, I know that seems like a lot, and that's not even got you into November and December where things really pick up, uh, but that's a little bit what's coming up in the next little bit, all right? I do have several requests on my heart. ask you to help me remember, if you would. Me and Miss Kendra do still have a special request that I don't know how many of you have seen it, 
Uh, but do ask you, if you would, be much in prayer for the North Valley Baptist Church out in California. Uh, Pastor Jack Treber, I believe is his name, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they're facing some, some different things compared to what we are with all the coronavirus. You'll remember several months or weeks ago, uh, it was on the news, I believe. I don't ever watch the news, but I think it was, uh, that out in California they had issued that there could be no singing uh, in the churches. And he, he, there's several videos you can go back and watch, but he complied for a pretty good while, uh, said that he began to look and realize that the cases were nothing like they expected, things weren't as bad as they expected. And uh, so he eventually went back into having service. He's putting several mandates in place. They're checking temperatures. They're having, making them wear masks. They're doing all kinds of things. Uh, but they are having service. They are singing. And just this week, the state of California and the county he's in uh, has fined the church over $50,000 just this week to be able to have church. They're planning on opening the fines in the future, but he's looking at least $50,000 a week. And uh, he's just, they're facing a lot of things right there right now. And uh, he's got several videos on Facebook dealing with that and some different things. But I ask you if you would remember him. And he made a statement in a video yesterday that stuck out to me. And uh, he said that he felt like he's, he's over and over again, he said he's not trying to be controversial. He's not trying to uh, cause a stink. He's not trying to be anything. Uh, but he said he felt like he, that we had, the, uh, we had the right under the Constitution to meet and worship, and we do. And he said he felt we also had the mandate under, under the Bible, under the authority of God to meet and worship, that it was commanded for us to meet and worship together and uh, said that he was going to do everything he could to take a stand uh, and do that because he made a statement that really resonated with me. He said if we, he sold the pastors in California, he said if we can't stop this now, it'll eventually spread all across the country. And it is coming, by the way. It very well could be. And uh, so you'd be much in prayer for that church out there. And I know they'd appreciate that tonight. Somebody else, before we go to the Lord in a word of prayer, got a prayer request on your heart tonight. Somebody else tonight. All hearts free. All right. If so, Chris Moore, if you would, takes the Lord and word of prayer.
Amen. Somebody got some on your heart, something you need to do, you mind the Lord. Somebody else, mind the Lord.
Right. Right. Hey, somebody here? Nine more. Let's see. Take your Bibles, if you would. Be going with me to the book of John, John chapter number 9. Uh, I've not forgotten about the book of Jude. I promise I hadn't and had every intention of being there this week, uh, but just could not get this thought off my heart. And I want to just try to be obedient to the will of the Lord. John chapter number 9. We'll begin reading in verse number one. Before you stand, I want to tell you a story, and uh, I don't do that too much, but the Lord just put it on my heart this evening, uh, right before all y'all came in, and I want to tell you a story real quick, and then I'll preach, and y'all bear with me. This started out just a simple little thought, and I thought I won't be able to preach five minutes, and I'll be done, and it's just kept growing, and it's just kept growing, and it's just kept growing, so I may not be able to get done with all of it, just to be honest with you, but uh, there's a lady that I, I've looked at several times throughout my ministry, and don't reckon I've ever used her as an example uh, preaching, but I'm going to tonight. There's a lady, I never knew her, uh, but I do know some of what she did for the Lord, and she's an interesting lady, a lady by the name of Fanny Crosby, and some of you may know her just a little bit. Uh, she wrote thousands upon thousands of gospel hymns. Uh, you say, preacher, what do you mean by she was interesting? Well, there's several things about her I find interesting interesting. Uh, she wrote more hymns than we realized she did. Uh, the, they tell me that the majority, John, of the hymns that she wrote, she put under a false name. Uh, not because she was ashamed of it, but she said she didn't want people looking at her as much as she wanted people to look at the Lord. And so she just put down some names so that the Lord got the attention instead of them bringing honor and glory to her. And uh, I find that interesting. And they, uh, t they tell me that she was probably one one of the most gifted uh, individuals when it comes to composing and writing music that's ever lived upon the earth. They uh, say that she had the ability to write some of the most complex, some of the most sophisticated uh, lines of music that's, that was possible. She had an unnatural ability, uh, but said she very, very rarely did that. She just wrote simple lines that anybody could play and anybody could sing, and uh, she did that because she told people that she wanted anybody to be able to do it so that it'd be able to be used to reach a lost and dying world. And I find that interesting. A lady that all her life lived below her talent so that everybody else could do could do what she wrote and it could be used to magnify the Lord. Uh, she was a blind lady from the time she was just a small child. She contracted a disease. Uh, there was a doctor come in, a so-called doctor. They say he eventually come to be realized that he wasn't a doctor at all. Uh, but the, 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 the diagnosis that he gave and the treatment that he gave for her uh, ended up causing her to be blind. So as far as she remembers, she's never, uh, that's just a few months old, she's never seen, never seen anybody. One of the greatest quotes I believe I've ever read was by Fanny Crosby. And here's what she said. They asked her one day, John, if she could choose anything in her life to change, what would it be? And to this day, I don't reckon anybody knows for sure what she said. There's several different, uh, there's several different things different people have said that she said. But this one part of this statement, uh, remains true. After she said that, they asked her, they said, well, I thought for sure you would choose not to be blind. And here's what she said. She said, if I had a choice, I would choose to remain blind. 
Now let that sink in just a minute. She said, if I could choose, I'd choose to remain blind, just like I am. For when I die, the first face I will ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. What about that? She said, I'd just soon just stay blind and let the first face I ever see be the face of Jesus. Boy, isn't that good? John chapter 9, verse number 1. Stand with me when you find your places in honor and reading and reverence to the word of the Lord. The Bible said, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh uh, when no man can work. Watch verse 5. I believe Brother Kenny hit this uh, a few weeks ago. The Bible said, As long as I am in the world, uh, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spit up, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation he went his way therefore and washed and came, watch that next word, and came seeing. Verse 8, the Bible said, The neighbors therefore, and they which had seen him that was blind, boy, don't you like verse 8? Eight, eight, eight in your Bible is always the number of new beginnings. You know that it always signifies uh, something new. And the Bible said, The neighbors therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he, what's that last next word? Was blind. Talk about a new beginning. Uh, he was, The Bible said in verse number 1 that he was blind from his birth. Uh, he was a blind man. Then in verse number 8 the Bible said that he was blind. That meant that he was at one time but not anymore. What about that? Uh, the Bible said, said is this not he that sat and begged? Some said this is he. Others said he is like him but he said I am he. Therefore said they unto him how were thine eyes open? And he answered and said a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? And he said, I know not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I should love you tonight. Lord, I pray just for a little while. Lord, would you help us as we look into your word together. Lord, I pray that Lord, you do that which only you can. Lord, I realize there's many here with burdens. Lord, many prayer requests represented. Lord, I pray to have your willing way in each and every one tonight. Then, Lord, I pray most of all for that one here tonight lost. Lord, that one that may be spiritually blind tonight. Lord, I pray that, Lord, the light of this world would shine into their soul and illuminate them to the truth of the gospel. Lord, I pray that you'd save that one nearest to a devil's hell. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do, for we ask it uh, in Jesus' wonderful name, amen, uh, and amen. You can be seated, uh, and thank you for standing. Now, as you read on through this uh, this chapter, you'll find that uh, the, 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 the Jews, the scribes, and the Pharisees, uh, uh, they began to ask him, ask this man, uh, uh, this received his sight, who it was that did it, how it was that he did it. Uh, and then you'll even find the Bible said they called for his parents. Isn't that right? Uh, and they asked his parents, <coughs> saying, is this him? 
And the Bible said that the parents told him that this was their son, that he was blind uh, from birth. He had been blind from the time he was born. Uh, and they asked the parents what it was that had taken place. Uh, and I'm a paraphrasing, but they said something kind of like this. He's of age. Uh, he's old enough to tell you. You're just going to have to ask him. Isn't that right? And so they called this man back up again. Uh, verse 23, the Bible said, Therefore said his parents, he's of age. Ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man uh, is a sinner. They said, uh, You ought not be bragging on the man that healed you. He's a sinner. He's no good. Uh, you ought to be thanking the Lord. Now, watch this. Uh, this isn't my message, but I just like this. One of my favorite verses in all John chapter 9. Watch verse 25. Boy, I like this. He answered and said, Now, watch what he said. Whether he be a sinner or no, uh, I no, not. He said, listen, I, he said, I was blind just a few minutes ago. I've never laid eyes on this man. I, whether he's a sinner or not, I have no idea. I don't know anything about this man. I've never seen him. I've just met him. I, I don't know, Kirk, whether he's a sinner or not. I, but he went on and said, this. One thing I know. He said, I don't know whether he's a sinner. I don't know what he looks like. I, I don't know where he come from. I, I don't understand what he did. I don't understand why he did it. I, that'll help you right here in just a minute. I, I don't understand why he did it. I don't understand how he did it. I, I don't know nothing about him, but there is uh, one thing that I know. Uh, he said that whereas I was blind, uh, now I see. Uh, he said, I don't know much about that man. I, I don't know why he come by my way. I, I don't know how he did what he did. I, I don't understand everything that took place. I, but I do know this. I, I was blind I, and now I see. I, oh boy, what a testimony. Isn't that right? I, I'll be honest with you. I've been saved almost 20 years. I've just been as honest I, as I know how to be. John, I understand Calvary. I, I understand that God so loved the world that he gave us. I understand all that. I, I'm just being as honest as I know how to be. Wayne, I don't know why he loved me. I don't understand how he loved me. John, I've done everything I can to understand. I don't understand everything that took place and that I got saved. But this one thing I do know. Where I was blind, now I see. Where I was lost, now I'm found. I don't know much. There's a lot I don't understand. He said, I can't tell you everything that took place. I can't tell you everything that happened. I, I don't understand why, but I do know this. I, there's been a great change I, since this man came into my life. Isn't that right? I, I'll preach just a few minutes I, with the help of the Lord this evening on this thought. I, when darkness meets the light. I, when darkness meets the light. Now you say, preacher, what do you mean? I, watch what the Bible said in verse number one. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind uh, from his birth. Now, uh, get the picture just a moment. This man is, uh, John, completely blind. All he's ever seen uh, is darkness. He's never seen a tree. He's never seen a river. Uh, he's never seen the face of his mama. He's never seen the sun. Uh, he's never seen a candle. He's never seen anything. Uh, uh, Kirk, all he knows is darkness. Isn't that right? 
And Jesus steps up on the scene. Now in verse eight, in verse chapter eight, uh, Jesus said, "I am the light of the world." But now in verse five of chapter nine, he said, "As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world." Now can you just imagine as Jesus passed by and sees this blind man uh, that all he's never known is darkness. Uh, all he's ever known, John, is pitch black. Uh, he's never seen anything else. Uh, and here comes a man that says, "I am the light." of the world. My soul, you say, preacher, what are you saying? How can I say that light always expels darkness? Isn't that right? And be pitch dark. And you light one little candle, light one little match, and the darkness will flee. We looked at this chapter last night in Bible college, and Brother Scott Poole told a story about a little boy that lived in an apartment in London back in the day. And I believe it was London. That may be wrong. That's not relevant to the story anyway, but uh, he lived in this apartment, and uh, that at night he'd go up to his room, John, and he'd look outside, and at a certain time when everything became dark, I uh, said this man would come down the street and his job uh, uh, was to light those lanterns on the street. They didn't have electricity, so uh, this man's job was to go by Kirk and he'd light that lamp and he'd go a little bit farther and he'd light that lamp and he'd go a little bit farther and he'd light that lamp. So that little boy would stand up here in his bedroom and, and begin to peer out of his window and see that man come by. And one night he run down to the, to the other room and he said, Mama, Daddy, you've got to come. There's something I want to show you. And they brought him up here and they said, Son, what is it that you want to see? And he said, It's just about time, Mama, just look out the window. And said, That man come begin to light those lamps. And the Daddy looked down at the side and he was trying to explain to him what happened. And he said, Son, do you know what that man's doing? He said, Daddy, I know exactly what he's doing. And the daddy said, what is it? He said, daddy, he's a punching holes in the darkness. You said, preacher, what are you saying? That's the reason the Lord Jesus Christ came. That was to punch holes in the darkness. To shed light on a dark world. Isn't that right? When light meets the darkness, the darkness always has to flee. The light will always be victorious over darkness. Now, you said, preacher, what are you saying? Let's look at some things uh, uh, quickly this evening. Uh, uh, notice with me some things about this man. Uh, uh, notice with me his blindness in verse number one. Uh, the Bible said as Jesus passed by he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Uh, uh, Chris, he'd never seen anything. Uh, uh, now you say, preacher, what's so special about that? Uh, watch real, real close. Watch your Bible say it. Uh, I'd never seen this till today. Kirk, I had a spell. Uh, uh, the Bible said as Jesus passed by, he, talking about Jesus, what he do? Uh, saw a man uh, that was blind from his birth. Uh, you say, preacher, what are you saying? Uh, what about this long before this man ever saw Jesus? Uh, Jesus had done seen him. Uh, isn't that right? Uh, the Bible said Jesus passing by saw a man. Uh, aren't you glad tonight that even when we were blinded by sin uh, and could not see the Lord wasn't looking for the Lord uh, that he already saw us uh, and that he knew who we were uh, isn't that right the blindness uh, of this man uh, even though this man was not looking for Jesus uh, uh, Jesus was looking for him uh, even though this man could not lay eyes on Christ uh, uh, Christ had already laid eyes on him uh, and that's exactly how it is for a sinner uh, uh, why you may not be able to see him uh, uh, 
while you may not be looking for him, I promise you, friend, he's looking for you. And he sees you. He knows where you are and who you are. And he loves you this evening. So we see his blindness. Not only that, notice with me his begging. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Look with me at verse number 8. Bible said, the neighbors therefore and they which before had seen him that was blind uh, said, is not this he that sat uh, and begged. Now, uh, we're getting an illustration about this man. He was blind. Uh, uh, nothing he could do. No way John, he could work a public job. No way that he uh, could provide for a family. No way that he could uh, function at all on his own. Uh, and so he was reduced uh, uh, to sitting and begging. That's all that he could do uh, uh, was sit and beg uh, uh, for somebody to give him something. Remember over in Acts chapter 3 uh, uh, when, when they went into the temple, Peter and John went into the temple to our prayer uh, and the Bible said there was a lame man there uh, and he asked alms of them. Remember that? Uh, he was asking Sharon for them to give him some money. He needed uh, uh, something that he could not get for himself. Uh, uh, there was something that he was looking for uh, that he, he could not provide for himself. Remember what Peter and John said, the Bible said, Peter, uh, looking upon him, said, look on us, and said this, he said, uh, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Remember that? Uh, uh, what about that? Uh, you said, preach what happened, he got more than he ever asked for. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, that's exactly right. That's what's about to happen to this man. Uh, he's just sitting there, John, thinking if I can just get some money. Uh, I don't know what might have been going through his mind. Uh, he might have thought if I can just get some money, I can go to the best doctor. Uh, if I can just get some money, I can get my own place. Uh, if I can just get some money, I can get somebody to take care of. I don't know what he's going through, but I do know Kirk, he was begging for somebody to give him something that he thought that he needed. I mean, can we say it like this? He was doing everything he could to fulfill a hole that was in his heart and life. He'd been reduced to begging for some kind of relief. He said, preacher, what are you saying about that? Isn't that how we was before we ever got saved? We'd been reduced to just sitting there uh, realizing there was nothing we could do for ourselves. Uh, uh, but we was just begging for some kind of relief. Uh, I don't know what you may have tried. It might have been religion that you tried. Uh, it might have been this. It might have it been alcohol. It might have been drugs. It might have been uh, pornography. It might have been pre-sex marriage. It might have been uh, all kinds of things. I don't know what you might have tried, uh, but all you was doing was begging for somebody to give you something uh, to fill a hole in your heart. Uh, and the truth of the matter was, there's nothing that could fill it. Uh, one little boy said it like this. said, if there's a hole uh, uh, in my heart the size of Jesus, uh, uh, then nothing but Jesus would ever fill it. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, that's just true. Uh, uh, can I say this? There's nothing uh, uh, that can fill that gap, fill that void uh, except for the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a blind man uh, that found himself begging uh, for some kind of relief. Now, not only do we see his blindness and his begging, but then I want you to notice with me his birth. Now you say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, the disciples brought it up. Watch verse 1. That a part of verse 1, the Bible said that Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. It tells us that this problem, Ronald, that he's experiencing is nothing new. It's not something that's just come in in the last few months. It's something he's experienced uh, from the time he was born. Isn't that right? Yeah. 
Now, contrary to what you may believe, this spiritual problem that you may be experiencing tonight, if you're listening by way of Facebook here tonight, whatever the case may be, have this problem you're experiencing, this hole you're trying to fill, it might have just been revealed to you in the last couple of years or revealed to you in the last few months, but it's not something that's just crept up all of a sudden. You've had this problem since birth, isn't that right? I had the Bible that this man was blind by birth. And then in verse 2, the disciples... Excuse me, the disciples bring up an interesting question. They ask him, they said, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now what they're saying is something's went wrong somewhere. Either this man sinned, and that's caused him to be blind, well, you know, that's not true. It wasn't his sin that caused him to be blind, because uh, he was blind by birth, isn't that right? So what they're really saying is, what his mom and daddy do that God punished them by him being born blind? Notice verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now what about, that's a message all in itself right there. You know what Jesus said? He said, listen, this man didn't sin, and I've got news for you, his mom and daddy didn't sin neither. He said the only reason this man was born blind was that the works of God might be made manifest in him. What about that? What about the fact this man was born blind because God knew, God intended, that blows my mind, John, that God allowed this man to be born blind in the time that he was born because he knew that Jesus would pass by. And all these years later, Brother Chris, they're still preaching the story of this man and magnifying the Lord through what the Lord did in his life. Everything that happens in your life is not because of sin. Did you know that? There's some things God lets you go through just to bring honor and and glory unto himself. Isn't that right? I read you the story. I told you a little bit about Fanny Crosby. And I don't mean this ugly. She lived a miraculous life. She did a lot of great things for the Lord. But John, there's just something about the fact her being blind and still having that devotion, still having that faith, still having that drive that magnifies that. Are you with me? The Lord got more glory through her life because she was blind than had she been. Are you with me? There's some things tonight that God just allows us to go through to bring honor and glory unto himself. But I want you to notice this. The Jews taught the idea of generational curses. Now, you'll find where they get that in Exodus 20, and I don't have time to get into all that. But uh, just bear with me, and, I, and, and believe me, if you will, go back and study it. They, they take that scripture, John, and they twist it. They, 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 it's not, they take it out of context, but they teach the idea of generational curses. Meaning this, that if John went out and committed some great sin that God would punish Ryan for the sin that John committed. That's what they're saying. That the children take the punishment, bear the punishment for the sins of the father and vice versa. Well, we know tonight that that's not true. Bible said that, uh, that the, the Bible said that Jesus said neither this man nor his parents have sinned, but the Jews believed that either this man or his parents must have sinned, and therefore God had caused him to be blind. Now, we know that's not true, and I'll tell you why. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, the Bible said this, Yet say ye, why doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father, when the Son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes, and hath done them, he shall surely live. Now listen to this. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
Now listen, the Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. What you say, preacher, what are you saying? The book of Ezekiel makes it very clear, John, that Ryan's not to pay the punishment for what you do, and you're not to pay the punishment for what Ryan does. Ain't that right? Well, I felt it bogged down just a little bit right there. God does not punish your child for what you do, no more than he punishes you for what your child does. Isn't that right? Now, I understand that. Listen to me. We, I, I, I wasn't planning on hitting all this, but I might as well do it while we're here. We live in a society where everybody wants to find somebody to blame. Are you with me? Uh, it, now listen to me. I understand why my children are under my roof. It is my responsibility. Mission of the Lord, it's my responsibility, John, to have a, to, 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 to rule my own house well. It's my responsibility to teach them right from wrong. It's my responsibility to guide them and to be the leader in my home. I understand that. But no, no more than making God takes the sin that I committed and applies it to my children. It's not fair for you or anybody else to take the sins of my children and apply them to me. Isn't that right? Uh, that's exactly right. It's an individual thing. Isn't that right? Uh, and that's what God's saying in the book of Ezekiel. But we live in that generation. You'd be surprised how many times I hear somebody that did something. <coughs> Some young person did something. And you say, well, and you hear somebody say, well, that doesn't surprise me a bit. Look what their mom and daddy did. Well, God help us, friend. Uh, everybody's done something wrong. Isn't that right? Uh, it's not right to punish my children for what I've done. Uh, and it's not right to punish me for what my children did. Isn't that right? Uh, all we do is the best we do. Now watch this. The truth tonight is this. We all were born under the same curse. It wasn't the curse of his daddy, and it wasn't the curse of his mama this man was born under, and it wasn't even his curse. And he was born. It wasn't curse that he had sinned, therefore being born blind. It wasn't that his daddy sinned or his mama sinned. We all, every last one of us, was born under the same curse. Did you know that? And it was the curse of sin. When Adam sinned in the garden, all the earth was cursed. Did you know that? The earth was cursed, man was cursed, woman was cursed, and Satan was cursed. Isn't that right? It was all one curse. In fact, Psalm 51.5 said this, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Every one of us were born sinners. Did you know that? Now, I know that goes against our nature. We look at a baby, and we, we, we look. Wendy sent me some pictures the other, the other day of of her new grandbaby, and uh, you look at that baby, and it's so cute and so innocent, and I, I, I mean, every any baby's like that. I, I don't care. You look at them; they're so innocent, John. They're so cute. They, uh, it looks like there's nothing could ever go wrong in their life. But the truth of the matter is, that baby, my babies, your babies, all of us were all shaped in iniquity, and we were conceived in sin. Uh, and we have a sin nature. It, we didn't have to ta- be taught. Uh, we didn't have to learn. And, uh, we were born into the curse of sin. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, so we see his birth. It wasn't how they make stipulation about his birth, whether it was his fault or his parents' fault. Uh, well, it was neither. We're all born under the curse of sin. And the truth of the matter is tonight, you said, Preacher, I want to say this, I'm going to move on. I had a man ask me one time, and it, 
The Bible said that his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And I'll be honest with you, John, it seems like to me, if I was going to orchestrate all this, I, with my boys, I try to have a cutoff point. I, I, let, me, let me elaborate on that. Ron, what I've tried to do, especially since the boys are getting a little bit older, I've tried to never repeat myself twice. Are you with me? I've tried, I, I, John, what I'll do is I'll tell them to do something. And I'll try to give them enough grace to repeat it one time. But I'm not repeating it twice. Are you with me? I'll tell them twice, Kirk, but that third time, there's going to be a consequence. I like to have some kind of structure. I like to have some kind of guideline. I like to have, there's something that I, I, I like to have something where I know that uh, I, there's some kind of structure behind it. And a lot of times, that's what a sinner wants to know. And I'll tell you what happens with that, and I, I'm just t- talking out my own parenting problems while I'm preaching, I guess. But I'll tell you what the problem I found with that is, Kirk, because they know I repeat it one time, they hardly ever do it the first time. Are you with me? They know they've got at least one more chance, but they know there's not going to be a third one. So that's what a lot of times, Ron, I've had people ask me, well, preacher, what is it that I have to do to go to hell? Let me tell you the honest answer, absolutely nothing. It's what you have to do to go to hell, absolutely nothing. You don't ever have to say one cuss word. John, you don't ever have to tell one lie. You don't ever have, it's not that you have to commit adultery, it's not that you have to commit fornication, it's not that you have to murder somebody to go to hell. Though all those things are sin and they're wrong, you don't have to do that to go to hell. To go to hell, you just have to do nothing. You were born, you were shaping in iniquity and conceived in sin. You was born a sinner the moment you drew your first breath. Isn't that right? You don't have to do anything to deserve to go to hell. The question is not what do I have to do to go to hell. The question is what must I do to go to heaven? And the answer to that is to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? That's what must be done. To be punished, there's nothing that has to be done. Are you with me? Now I'm trying to make it as simple as I can this evening. Nothing has to be done because we were born into sin. We were shaping in iniquity and our mother conceived us in sin. Uh, nothing has to be done. In fact, can I say this? Every single person in hell tonight is in hell for the same sin. Did you know that? Now, while there's murderers in hell, there's people, John, that never committed murder. There's adulterers in hell and people that never committed adultery. Uh, There's fornicators in hell and people that never committed fornication. Uh, Not everybody committed all the same sins, but every last one of them uh, are in hell for the same sin. You say, preacher, what is it? The sin of unbelief. The sin that they that they're in hell for, John. Uh, every one of them died with their sin debt paid, uh, uh, but the sin that punished them to hell uh, uh, was the sin of not believing uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? So, what must you do to go to hell? Nothing. Absolutely nothing is what you must do in order to go to hell. And we want to have some kind of standard. We want to say, well, I'm better than this person or I'm better than that person or I didn't do what they did, but that's not how God looks at it. Uh, he sees a sin nature. We were shaping in iniquity and conceived by sin. He doesn't see one better than the other. He sees sinners that have not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what must you do to go to hell? Nothing. 
Well, there's a lot in that birth, isn't there? It's not your mama's fault. It's not your daddy's fault. Uh, it's not your fault. Uh, it's just you were shaped in iniquity and conceived in sin. Uh, and because of that, the Bible said the wages of sin is death. Isn't that right? But aren't you glad it goes on to say, but the gift of God, his eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm glad there is a remedy. I'm glad there's an answer uh, for our sin tonight. So we see his birth. Let me say this, and I'm hurrying. Notice with me his blessing, and I'm done. Lord God, I've got to hurry. Notice his blessing. Verse number five, Bible said as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus found this man. He was blind. He was begging. Uh, uh, we've seen his birth, how that he was shaped in iniquity. Jesus answered and said, Neither may this man nor his parents, but the works of God being made manifest through him. Then in verse 4, he makes a statement. He says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Then in verse 5, notice this statement. He said, as long as I'm in the world, I, I am the light of the world. I want you to notice this saying. We've already said it, but let me say it one more time and I'm hurrying. Here's a blind man that's never seen anything. Jesus stands there and says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Boy, that had to sound pretty good to a man that all had ever known was darkness. Had to sound pretty good to a man that all had ever seen was pitch black. To hear about somebody that was the light of the world. Can I say this, friend? I remember the night as a seven-year-old boy at Charity Hill Baptist Church. It sure did sound good that all I'd ever known was darkness. All I'd ever known, John, all my life I thought there's got to be more to it than this. Even as a small child, I felt like there had to be more to it. To find out he was the light of the world. What about that saying? Not only that, I want you to know something what he does. I'm hurrying. Look at me in verse 6. It's interesting to me. When he had thus spoken, Jesus literally said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And as soon as he did that, watch what he did. He spat on the ground. Now what about that? Now can I show you something real quick? This blind man still has not received his sight. Isn't that right? He has no idea what's transpiring after Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He has no idea that Jesus just spat on the ground. He can't see that. Is that right? You say, put your way saying about that. Even if he had known what was happening, it probably wouldn't have made much sense. Now, I know I'm slowing down a minute, but now just think about that. Here's this man, Kirk, who's been blind from birth. Jesus steps out and says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And he spits on the ground. Well, what's that all about? In fact, I'll be honest with you, I've heard a lot of preachers preach, preach this text and never really deal too much with that spit because John, it just doesn't make no sense. You don't know why he did it, but for some reason, Kirk, he spit on the ground. And this blind man had no idea about it. Right? Couldn't see it. Well, he had no idea Jesus just spat on the ground. And even if he could see it, he wouldn't have known what was going on. That right? He spat on the ground. Now you say, preacher, what are you going to do with that? Well, realize he had no idea what was happening. John chapter 9 verse 25, listen to this. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. You know, I tell you what he was saying. 
Then Pharisees come and said, how did he do what he did? And he said, listen, I'll be honest with you, I don't understand everything that took place. I don't know why he did everything that he did. All I know is, I was blind, now I see. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Is that right? He said, I don't know why he spat on the ground. I don't know why he did it. I didn't even know he did it until you told me. But all I know is I was blind and now I see. Now listen to me. You say, preacher, where are you going with that? I told you a minute ago, I still don't know why he did what he did. I don't know why he saved me. I don't understand everything about how he did it. All I know is I was lost and now I'm saved. All I know is I was blind and now see. I don't understand why he went to Calvary for me. I don't understand why he was mocked. I don't understand why he let him pluck out his beard. Chris, I can't fathom it. I can't wrap my mind around it. I, I don't understand everything about what he did. I don't understand everything that happened when I got saved. All I know, John, is there's been a change. Ain't that right? That's exactly right. I, I, when I was lost, Chris, I couldn't understand everything he was doing. I, the, the spiritual things make no sense to the natural man. Isn't that right? I couldn't understand what was taking place. I, all I know is I, there's been a change I, since the Lord came in. Ain't that right? Notice this. Notice the speeding. You may not have understood it, may not have realized it, but he did know there had been a change take place. Now I want you to notice with me not only his saying and the saying and the spitting, but I want you to notice with me the salve. Now I know y'all, y'all may not know what that is. I, you probably do. That's what they used to tell me. I, I'd been at my great-grandma's playing on Sunday and I, I, I'd kept my knee open over something and she'd say, go get the salve. That's what she'd say. Uh, listen to me. You say, preacher, what are you going to say? What's what verse 6 said? He spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. Now remember, this man still has no idea what's going on. But the Lord spits on the ground. Bends down, takes that dirt and that spit and makes clay. Ain't that right? I, I, I don't, my mind's funny sometimes, but I, I thought to myself this was the first mud mask that was ever made. Them women go pay hundreds of dollars to put mud on. That's crazy. I'm open my own business. But he, he spit on the ground, John, and made clay out of that spittle and the dirt. And he made that clay, made that, made that salve, if you would, and put it on the eyes of that blind man. Now watch this. The Lord never did anything for no reason. Do you know that? There was always a purpose. And I, 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 I've had different people say different things, but that's what got me thinking about this. The, the, the guy that's teaching Bible college made part of this. I'm about to tell you here in just a minute. It just stuck to me. He, he said that they tell me, John, that if I, if you was to, if I were, there was to be a crime and you found some of my saliva or some of my spit, Kirk, you could take that and they could find out whose it was because our saliva carries our DNA. Ain't that right? Now here's a man been blind from birth. We've already looked how that's a picture of us in a lost condition. And the Lord takes and spits on the ground and combines that spit with dirt. Isn't that right? That saliva carries your DNA. And the guy teaching Bible college got on that last night and it just hit him and he said, he said, I'm going to preach a message one night on the DNA was put in the clay. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, my soul, I'd be good. He said, preacher, what are you saying? He spit in the dirt, 
and it carried his DNA. And that right? It showed who he was, spit in the dirt. Watch this. Well, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me say this. What about this? Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, the Bible said, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken. Now watch this. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. You know what God's telling Adam in Genesis 3? He said, All you are is dust. That right? You've taken out of the dust. All you are now is dust. And when you die, you're going to return back to dust. All we are, all this body is, John, is dust. That right? And the, I'm about to come unglued. Here's a man been blind from birth, and the Lord spit in the ground, took that spit and took that dust and put them together, applied it to that man's eyes. Isn't that right? You say, preacher, what are you saying? Well, let me read you one, a couple more verses. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, through about verse 7. The Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Watch verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. This man, Kirk's man, blind from birth, and the, the Lord could have easily said, let him see, and he'd have saw. Wasn't that right? But he didn't do that. He wanted to teach us something, I believe. And Lord, he spit on the ground, took that dust and that spit, made clay, and put it on that man's eyes. And he said, Preacher, what's that a picture of? Well, that spit was who the Lord was. That showed who he was, John. It was his DNA contained in that spit. Philippians chapter 2, the Bible said, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Isn't that right? He is God. He is, a, he is the second part of the Godhead. He is God. But then it went on to say that he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant in the likeness of what? Man. The Lord, God himself, took, stepped into a robe of flesh. Isn't that right? Now stay with me. You say, preacher, why did he do that? That was the only way that spiritually our blinded eyes could be made to see. That right? There had around he had he had to take on a form of flesh in order to die and be our atonement. He had to become. He had to step in the flesh. Isn't that right? Are you with me? Now stay with me. I hope y'all get this. There's more to it than just some little illustration he did. He's showing that spit. Kurt's got his DNA. It showed who he was. He mixed God with dust, which what's our body dust. And when he put it together and rubbed it in. He applied it. I'm about to come unglued. He applied it to the problem that man had. And guess what? It became the solution. Are you with me? Oh, yes, friend. I wasn't physically blind, but spiritually. I, I was born blind from birth. I, I, there was nothing I could do. I, I was born under the curse of sin. I, I, but I sure am glad that God took on dust I, and put on a form of man and become myself. I, I become my heart man. I, I, no wonder Solomon said, Is there a bomb in Gilead? I, I, thank God. Thank God. I, he, he is the cure. They see. Spit in the ground and made that clay. Put it on that man's eyes. Now watch this. I'm hurrying. I promise I'm hurrying. Let me get down. Not only, not only do we see the sap, but I want to say this. Notice with me the scriptures. And they say, preacher, what are you saying? He's, all that's been done. That shows Calvary. He's took on a robe of flesh. Now that shows that spit and that clay being mixed together. It's been applied to his eyes. And then watch what he said. 
Verse 7, he said, Said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which by interpretation, which is by interpretation sent. Still water in your Bible, which is the pool of Siloam, it would have been still water. It's always a picture and a type of the Word of God. Isn't that right? I, you said, Preacher, how did we get saved? Well, the Lord Jesus, He had become flesh. He died in our stead. But aren't you glad? Thank God He gave us the Word of God. I, and Paul said it is the power of God unto salvation. Isn't that right? I, that's exactly right. Faith cometh by hearing uh, and hearing by the Word of God. You say, Preacher, can you prove it? Y'all got to stay with me. I'm about done, I promise. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. Uh, the Bible said, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church uh, and gave himself for it that he might uh, sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water uh, by the Word. Isn't that right? Uh, it was, he not only, John, did he make it say, have put on his eyes. Uh, but he said, I want you to go down to the pool. Uh, I want you to wash it out of your eye. Isn't that right? Uh, you said, Preacher, what are you saying? Uh, it's not enough tonight to know that the Lord uh, has shed his blood, become flesh, shed his blood, died for you. Uh, you've got to put your faith in the Word of God. Uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Isn't that right? What a picture of our salvation. Uh, so we see the we see a saying uh, we see the scriptures in the pool of Siloam then notice with me if you wouldn't I'm done notice his sight watch what the Bible said latter part of verse 7 and I promise you I'm done Bible said he went his way therefore and washed now watch this and came seeing you said preacher what are you going to say this man's life was completely changed because he put his faith in the word of God that right? Now listen to me. Can you imagine? Well, I didn't seen this, but can you imagine the Lord spitting in that in that dirt, and making that clay? I don't know if you've ever. The reason that mud works a good shame when they go get them mud masks is because even though it may be cool and even though it may feel kind of smooth, there's still them grains of dirt in there, and it irritates the skin. That's what it does. It irritates your skin it, it, that those little grains Ronald, they begin to penetrate the pores of your skin and it is, it's irritating that might be conviction you reckon the Lord takes them again to show you that he loved you enough John to take on a former man can you imagine when he put that on his eyes that man Kirk having no idea what was going on but can you imagine them little grains of dirt and sand getting in your eyes and had itch and had scratch and had burn? You ever got sand in your eyes? It don't feel good. For I don't care if there's spit mixed into it or not. It doesn't feel good when that right. And they tell you what conviction is. I'm not, not, I'm not going to lie to you and say I enjoyed it. It's awful when you're under conviction and realizing you're a sinner. Realizing you deserve hell. Realizing you've been wrong. It's awful, but then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. You know what happens? You get to get around preaching and get to hearing about how the Lord loves you. And all of a sudden it begins to wash some of that dirt out of your eyes. It begins to take some of that sting and 
some of that burn, even though Kirk, you realize how that you're a sinner and you deserve to go to hell, you begin to realize, but God, how come his love toward us and the why we were yet sinners, how Christ died for us. How you begin to realize, even though you have come short and you have failed, how that he and all our points were tempted, how yet sin not. How you begin to realize the love of God and the washing of the word how begins to get the dirt out of your eyes. Isn't that right? He went down to the pool of Siloam and began to wash that dirt out of his eyes. And the Bible said once that, once that, once that salve and once that water mixed together, the Bible said that he came again seeing. Is that right? You say, preacher, what are you saying? Aren't you glad tonight, those of you saved by the grace of God, and I'm done. Lord God, I've got to hurry. Aren't you glad for the night or the day that your darkness met the light. Aren't you glad that even though it might not always been pleasant, there might have been some stinging and there might have been some hurting, but aren't you glad you left that day with your sight? The Bible said he came again seeing. I don't understand everything about it, but I sure am glad I don't know everything that happened. I don't know Kirk Wayne did everything he did, but I do know one thing. I was blind. Now say. Then let me say this, and I promise you, I'm done. The musicians come and get a song of invitation. Don't cut it off just quite yet unless you already have. Let me say this real quick. Maybe tonight you're here, maybe you're listening by Facebook, maybe you're listening on sermon audio, whatever the case may be. You say, Preacher, I've never been saved. Tonight could be the night that your darkness meets the light. And the little boy said, Daddy, I know exactly what he's doing. He's punching holes in the darkness. I hope tonight that's what God's doing in your heart right now, punching some holes in the darkness. Let's stand to our feet.